This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Any home or business can quickly become infested with mold with the introduction of a water source like a roof or plumbing leak. When your home, your belongings, or your business becomes damaged, it's not just about cleaning up the mess. It's about reclaiming your life. And that's why you need to call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. A licensed, fully insured, affordable, non-invasive solution to solving any water and mold problems. Our team of trained specialists are available with 24-7 emergency service. We will quickly evaluate your problem and give you a plan that will guarantee results. Water causes damage and mold can spread throughout your property in as little as 48 to 72 hours and can produce allergens and irritants that have the potential to cause serious health hazards. So don't waste time. Give us a call now. For any water or mold problems, call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. Call 800-442-7043 today for a free estimate. That's 800-442-7043. 800-442-7043. Spreading freedom across the nation. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Team Buck, welcome to the Freedom Hut. Great to have you as always. Really appreciate you uh, making the time uh, for the Hut, as it as it were. Uh, exciting news for all of you. Um, the Buck Sexton with America Now show from 6 to 9 Eastern on Premier Radio Networks. Over 100 stations, as you know, national syndication. You can listen to it on the Blaze stream from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m., which is great. So i got five hours of Buck on the Blaze radio stream. And also, you can now download it on iTunes. So those of you who have been saying, Buck, I want to listen to the podcast. I can't listen live. Go on iTunes. Type in Buck Sexton with America Now or just Buck Sexton and look for Buck Sexton with America Now. Sorry, repeating my name so much even sounds weird to me. Um, but you can read it there. So please do uh, give it give it a shot, and uh, we'll check it out. Um, or you can check it out there. I mean, I've probably already checked it out because I did the show. So um, you know, there's <laughs> there's the Trump agenda that's unveiled this week, or we're seeing more of it, and the immigration orders and. And I, I get the sense that the the media is a little caught off guard by how quickly the Trump administration rebounded from last week's uh, General Flynn situation. Right? I think they were assuming that this would be a terrible debacle that would stretch out and maybe there'd be a couple of more uh, very senior current or former military officers who would turn down the post of National Security Advisor to this president and sure enough, we got McMaster. I don't even. I don't know if it's possible. I don't think I would have made any different pick. I don't think it's possible to make a better pick. So now you have the national security establishment for the first time saying, you know, Trump's got a really good team in place. Across the board, at the top levels of this government, the national security team he has in place is excellent. And you compare, and I include Tillerson in that, but... Maybe some of them still have their concerns about Tillerson. I think those will be put to rest quickly. I'm amazed at how many people seem to think that an American, a Texan, no less, worth hundreds of millions of dollars, is going to be influenced by his former business relationships such that he would not do what was best for his country when his job, his oath, is to serve the American people in his country. 
the journalists need to get a grip. I can tell you this. If I were $300 million and I was put in charge of this nation's anything, you know, whether it was the Department of, you know, I don't know, Bureau of Land Management or it was International Affairs of the State Department and Secretary of State, uh, I would certainly be very difficult to compromise uh, financially or otherwise in the interest of some foreign state. And I would like to think, certainly, I, I wouldn't be able to be bought off even if I was a just a poor, uh, poor average Joe like I am right now. I shouldn't say poor, right? Poverty is a very relative thing, but you know what I mean. Just a nor- I'm a normal guy, just trying to pay bills and you know keep the keep the rent uh, on time. But they've got a great team in place now: McMaster, Mattis, um, Tillerson. These are all and uh, Kelly at DHS. These are are excellent uh, excellent choices. And so now then that narrative has to change. Last week it was well the national security advisor is not you know is bad, he's in Russia's pocket and look Trump doesn't know what he's doing. Oh the White House, the White House is in disarray. The White House is in disarray. Well that didn't last very long. The White House hasn't been in disarray for very long at all. Um so there you have it. Now they need to come up with something new. I don't think they want the American people spending too much time on this very simple and straightforward proposition, which goes as follows. Donald Trump has the radical and revolutionary idea for our immigration laws uh, that you could summarize with the following. He will enforce immigration laws as they are written. Or at least will try to enforce them across the board as they are written. He will not uh, pretend that the laws, federal laws for immigration do not exist. And he's going to take some steps within the government bureaucracy to make it easier for those who, um, to make it easier for those who are trusted, entrusted with enforcing immigration laws to do so. That doesn't sound crazy to me. I don't think it sounds crazy to you. And yet there is a need, of course, the media to change the subject. They want to keep Trump on defense because if he's able to focus on policy, and if the Congress can get their butts in gear a little bit here, because now I am starting to lose patience, and I've been losing it, but now I'm going to be a little more vocal about it. What do we pay all these clowns to do exactly in D.C.? They're all being paid by the taxpayer. They've got great health care, let me tell you. I know about it. Um, I had federal government health care for a while. It was phenomenal. It was like, oh, you mean, really? Like, you're going to do... You know, I, I can get a shiatsu massage and pay nothing, or I can have open heart surgery and pay twenty bucks. Like this is a pretty good deal I've got here. Congress has fantastic health care. They've got great benefits. You serve in Congress. I think you even get some sort of stipend uh, afterwards. You know, you're you you get money for retirement. Anyway, what are we paying them for? They're not blowing my socks off right now with all of the amazing things that they are doing in D.C. for the American people with the power that has been given to them by the American people. Not at all. And I'm hearing about 200-day plans and we're working and Obamacare is so complicated, so complicated. Why is it so complicated? The way they've been talking about it for a long time is pretty straightforward. So let's be very clear about this. I'm not saying if it wasn't for the media, Republicans would be you know, charging around fields of barley on white stallions waving the American flag and and uh, you know, singing the national anthem, I, I think that they would have, that's kind of a nice, didn't I, I just painted a nice image for all you guys. Do you enjoy that one? Uh, there would be problems nonetheless, 
but at least they would be issues of constructive, worthwhile criticism. At least the focus of the American people, if that were underway, would be on should we do this or not do this? Is this good for us or not? That's not what the media wants to focus on. They want to call Trump. They were calling Trump a traitor last week. You've got these far left groups that are saying he's Hitler. In fact, I'll play one for you later on in the show, which I'm borrowing from Tucker Carlson tonight They on Fox News last night. It was just hilarious. It was hilarious and a little terrifying at the same time that anybody could be this uh, this out of touch, this bizarro in their view of the world. But nonetheless, it was it was amusing. Um, they think that Pence and Trump are are worse than Hitler, even because they have nukes. That's the new story. That's the new uh, way to get attention for yourself. Wor- worse than worse than Hitler. Uh, this is the, this is a level of insanity that I I did not expect us to get to even under Trump administration in terms of the opposition to him. But here we are. Okay. All right. So, but I want to talk to you about policy. We'll do some of that, of course. We'll discuss immigration, the new immigration executive order, which I'm assuming is going to come out in the next couple of days. I've been hearing it will. And what all that means, of course, we have fantastic guests joining as well today. And yet, what does the media want to focus on? You know, for most people, I understand. I, I was, when I was in the CIA, I spent a lot of days or a lot of my day reading about very granular tactical intelligence. Uh, very localized to certain areas of the world and looking in at our collection platforms and the information that we gathered through classified and unclassified means. Uh, but of course, I would stay up on the news cycle. And that's, you know, you can't be in all places at once. So your perception of what's going on in this country is largely determined by the places you go for your information. And it is a story. It's a narrative. Right? It's a, a a grouping of perceptions put together from which you will draw conclusions and also you will have your own sense of what the status quo is in this country and what the trajectory is of this country and all of you get that from the news cycle it affects our perceptions all that I mean if you listen to the show you care about the news cycle so this is this matters to all of us in different ways but it matters to all of us and You'd like to think that there would be robust discussions going on about uh, what Trump is trying to do, what he's trying to accomplish. But no, our our, uh, our friend Kaylee McEnany, whom I've known, those of you who have been who were watching Real News back in the day on the Blaze TV, will remember Kaylee was a a pretty frequent panelist for a little while. Then she did a lot more Fox, and now she's over at CNN. And I will say that she's a very nice, very polite. Uh, very sweet lady, and she's always been always been incredibly friendly uh, to me. I, I mean that in like a normal, nice way. Everybody, I mean, she's always been very nice to me. And so when I see her getting berated in a way that they would never allow, they would never allow a revered leftist female guest to get berated in this way over ridiculous accusations of how Trump is an anti-Semite. Now this is the story. This is why people don't trust the media. The fact that CNN thinks that this is a news story is all you really need to know about why, one, people say, yeah, fake news. Very, very fake news. And two, it stings over there. It bothers them because I think there's a desperation. You know, Last week they thought, all right, we've scored one against Trump. Actually, no, it didn't last very long. But let's play this. Uh, the CNN panel with Trump. At, with uh, on Trump's anti-Semitism, you are using fake news arguments. We hear play it. 
please? Brent, thank Hello? you very much. And out front now, the executive director of the Anne Frank Center for Mutual Respect, Stephen Goldstein, and Trump supporter Kaylee McEnany. So, Stephen, uh, after Trump's remarks today, uh, you came out very forcefully. You wrote, uh, the president's sudden acknowledgement is a Band-Aid on the cancer of anti-Semitism that has infected his own administration. His statement today is a pathetic asterisk of condescension. Make no mistake, the anti-Semitism coming out of this administration is the worst we have ever seen. That is a serious charge. Absolutely. Erin, time and again, this president has had an opportunity to condemn anti-Semitism. He had a chance to include Jews in Holocaust remembrance. He didn't. He had a chance to speak out against the desecration of Jewish cemeteries this weekend. He didn't. He had a chance to speak out against bomb threats against JCCs, and he didn't. Today, when he was forced, obviously by some staffers, because it came several news cycles after, he finally spoke out. Is our country can we, can we hit the pause so on this for one second? Hit the pause on this for one second, if I may. So, if we can, thank you. I want, and, and, and Shimon, please keep us in this bookmark uh, where we are in that clip. I want to go back to it, to where he berates Kaylee. And I mean, I, you know, Kaylee can handle herself, but I kind of wanted to para drop in there and be like, "Really? Why don't you talk to me that way, tough guy?" Uh, but they they never put me in those positions over there at CNN. Um, anyway, oh my! Uh, I just want to n- note this, then we'll come back to this on the other side of the break. Uh, <laughs> he's saying that he had the opportunity to address and he didn't. He had the opportunity to address this other thing and he didn't. And this is the case that he's pulling together this case to say that Trump is an anti-Semite because he did not address the following. And then you'll notice he goes and then he finally addressed it yesterday. Um, OK, so the, the, the turnaround for not addressing anti-Semitism enough in this guy's view is if you don't get to it in the first 24 hours, then you're an anti-Semite. Wow. That's quite a charge. This guy is not credible. This guy is not somebody whose judgment anybody should be subjected to on a national news broadcast. Why is CNN giving him this platform? Why are they letting some loon go on TV to make completely ridiculous charges about anti-Semitism? Oh, because they'd rather talk about, is tr- does Trump hate Jews? Question mark. Instead of, is he going to have an executive order that the judges can't overturn this week? Is he going to take actions on immigration that are overwhelmingly popular with the American people? Is he going to get tax reform through with Congress? And that's going to cause a boom in the economy and real growth in GDP and productivity? No, no. Let's talk about whether Trump's an anti-Semite. Now, I know you're saying, Buck, you're talking about it. Yeah, but I don't want to let them get away with this because we're going to talk about that other stuff, too. But, team, we got to go into a break. We'll be right back. Buck Sexton on the Blaze Radio Network. Any home or business can quickly become infested with mold with the introduction of a water source like a roof or plumbing leak. When your home, your belongings, your business becomes damaged, it's not just about cleaning up the mess. It's about reclaiming your life. And that's why you need to call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. A licensed, fully insured, affordable, non-invasive solution to solving any water and mold problems. Our team of trained specialists are available with 24-7 emergency service. We will quickly evaluate your problem and give you a plan that will guarantee results. Water causes damage and mold can spread throughout your property in as little as 48 to 72 hours and can produce allergens and irritants that have the potential to cause serious health hazards. So don't waste time. Give us a call now. For any water or mold problems, call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. Call 800-442-7043 today for a free estimate. That's 800-442-7043. 
800-442-7043. You're listening to The Buck Sexton Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. So we've got uh, Kelly McEnany up against this guy. I, I don't know what his background is. I'm, I'm not sure what his uh, CV is. But he's calling Trump an anti-Semite because he wouldn't speak out against anti-Semitism. And then he sort of transitions very, very abruptly into, well, he didn't speak about it fast enough, I mean, which is clearly not the same thing, especially when the timeline is a couple of days. And Kaylee tries to uh, defend, as she does. She, look, she defends the Trump administration. She went all in on Trump in the very beginning, and it has been a huge benefit to her career. And uh, she's been, you know, you got to give her credit for, for picking the right horse. Uh, but anyway she's defending Trump, and this is how the exchange... Remember, this is on Aaron Burnett's primetime CNN show. They've got some guy calling the president an anti-Semitic... The most anti-Semitic president ever. Really? He said that. More anti-Semitic than Nixon? More anti-Semitic than LBJ? More anti-Semitic than Woodrow Wilson? I mean, go down the line, people. That is a... Comp- it's just an, a, an idiotic thing to say. A baseless and idiotic thing to say. But that's what he said. Okay, let's hear what Kaylee, let's hear the exchange. And I want you to note something, because remember, I've been on the inside of this beast, and we may be talking about it more tonight. I'm hoping we'll get a chance to talk about it with James O'Keefe, who's going to be exposing the way mainstream media newsrooms really function and how they really treat people. Um, You know, I I was, at first they figured maybe that I could be uh, kept in place and they would uh, be able to mold me into into an inoffensive conservative who you know, plays by the plays by the rules of the house and no in fact that was not what i wanted to do and so they had very little use for me i digress uh but i want you to notice how this is a a young female uh, political commentator and how this guy's allowed to speak to her and how the the host does not jump in aaron burnett just sort of sits back and lets kelly get verbally pummeled by this imbecile play it he read said the words for those wanting to give the president a fair chance you would have heard him condemn anti-Semitism. And I have his exact quote from the first time he was asked, asked this question. He said, I want peace in this country. I want to stop crime and long simmering racism. That sounds like a condemnation to me. But some people on the left are using the veil, the veil of anti-Semitism and the charge of anti-Semitism to further their own political causes. It's dangerous. I agree with Alan Dershowitz fully that we should not be use, loosely throwing this term around. And I, I've got to ask you straight on. So you think the president does not like Jews and is pre- prejudiced against Jews? You think that about the president of the United States? You bet. And do you know wow. why? And wow, is right, Kaylee. Do you know why? Does he hate his daughter? You, does he hate you his know son? What, Kaylee? You know what, Kaylee? I am tired of commentators like you from the right trotting out his daughter, trotting out his son-in-law as talking points against the president's anti-Semitism. They are Jewish, but that is not a talking point against anti-Semitism. And that is a disgrace. Have you no no ethics than to invoke invoke people's religion as a talking point? That itself is anti-Semitic. You'll notice, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, nice shooting text. Let's pause it for a second. Where's where's Aaron Burnett on that? You've got a young woman here who's being he's got a guy. He turns to her. You can't see the video screaming in her face or yelling in her face. You know, you know, you have no or have you no ethics. It's just well, she's just making her points. Why is it about how she has no ethics? And and this notion that it's it's not a it's not worth bringing up 
that this this complete moron, whoever this guy is, this just absolute imbecile, made a fool of himself on TV, but of course served the purposes of the left. So they'll they'll give him a platform. They'll bring him on. Uh, I used to go. I was on Aaron Burnett show a number of times, and there was like, well, I mean, you know, are you really qualified to talk about ISIS operations in Iraq? I was like, well, I mean, I. I worked on it for five years when it was Al Qaeda in Iraq and served in numerous places in Iraq and briefed the president on issues pertaining to counterterrorism. And, you know, but no, 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 have have another, you know, have Van Jones explain counterterrorism. Bring him on. He's going to give us the real insight. Place is ridiculous. But I digress. Um, where was I? I was I got a little fired up there for a second. Oh, yeah. Notice she doesn't jump in. She They give this guy a platform and he's allowed to. Uh, pummel verbally Kaylee McEnany here and go after her. And this is very important. Always keep in mind when the host or the moderator or whatever they're calling the anchor um, allows someone to get personally attacked. It's never, but it's never an accident because if someone on the right ever gets personal at CNN with somebody who's of course on the left, it's, Oh no, no, no. Hey, 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 let's focus back on the discussion. You know, there's always, they always want to cool that down because they know the audience, which is 95% Democrat, 90% Democrat is going to get mad. They know they're playing to a Democrat audience all the time. That's their bread and butter. So they protect Democrats and they allow for the slander of Republicans. And this guy is just slandering the president. I mean, this is, this is a, a complete and utter disgrace. And I don't know what it's going to take for these newsrooms to wake up and maybe have some representation from the other side and start trying to at least be fair. They don't have to be advocates, but be fair to the Republican Party. But they won't do it. And they expect us to change. I don't think so. We got more coming. Stay with me. The Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Show. David Michigan, wanted to get you in here before we get to our next guest. What's up? Hey, Buck. Shields high, brother. Shields high. What's on your mind? Yeah, I was just calling. Uh, really appreciate your uh, you know your uh, insights and uh, your conclusions that you're coming to. You know what the media's doing, how they're just so out of control. Um, I kind of had some of that. Uh, my wife has been, been trying to keep her up on what's going on and kind of bring her around. You know, a lot of stuff, she kind of thought I was kind of like a conspiracy theorist for a long time. We've been together now for uh, eight years, but she's really starting to get it now, and she sees how everything is just opinion. There's no real news being reported anymore. You know, we kind of watch... Yeah, they're, they're, activists, they're activists dressed up as journalists. That's what you've got all over the place. But, Dave, thanks for calling from Michigan, man. Shield tie. Yeah. I appreciate it. Um, Andy McCarthy, our friend, he's a former uh, assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District. He's a best-selling author, contributing editor at National Review. Andy, thanks for making time. Buck, it's my pleasure. How are you? Good, good. Thank you. Uh, so, all right, a couple things. We've got a few pieces I wanted to get to on NationalReview.com. Uh, but Omar Abdel Rahman, the blind shake is dead. You know a lot about this guy. What should we be thinking about in the aftermath of the passing of the very evil individual known as the blind shake? Well, I, I think, Buck, that what the country ought to take away is sort of what, what hit me over the head while I was getting ready to prosecute him. And that is that if you consider the blind shake 
he was physically incapable of doing anything that would be useful to a terrorist organization. Uh, he couldn't build a bomb, couldn't hijack a plane, couldn't execute uh, an assassination. The only thing he was evidently fit to do was lead the organization. And I think what that should underscore for us is the centrality of ideology to the threat that has really been posed against us for a generation now. Uh, his authority over terrorist operations and over terror cells, not just in, in, uh, uh, in the West, but worldwide, owed to the fact that he was a renowned scholar of uh, Sharia jurisprudence, of uh, basically of, of Islamic law. And it was his mastery over the doctrine that gave him the authority to command acts of mass murder. And I think that ought to underscore for us that what we're dealing with is not and has never been, you know, wanton killers who don't have a, a method and a purpose behind their activities. And it's to our own real detriment that we continue to keep our head in the sand about what the ideology is. I think you make a really important point. I remember when uh, Zarqawi made this, you know, Zarqawi was out there and people realized that he, he's actually not somebody who was uh, an, an effective combatant. He wasn't uh, skilled with weapons, but he was just a sadist and had a, a force of personality with people um, and had a criminal had a criminal mindset stretching back for a long time that allowed him to rise up in the ranks of and eventually lead al-Qaeda in Iraq, uh, Anwar al-Awlaki. This is not a guy that would have been frightening to walk past in a dark alley. He's not somebody that you would have wanted at your side in a bar fight, or you would have cared much if he was on the other side. But clearly, he was a, a major threat to the U.S., to U.S. citizens, and to our interests around the world. So it, it, it does underscore the point about how this is an ideological war, um, and the people that are the most dangerous in some ways are the ones that have uh, the greatest belief, but also the greatest ability to disseminate those ideas. Yeah, I, I think that's totally right. I mean, we're in a we're in a era in the West where, because uh, religious fervor uh, is not in the West what it once was, I think that we discount the possibility that other cultures could feel differently about it. Uh, but the fact that this this ideology comes to us in the veneer of religion. And people who we refer to, the blind shake was consistently referred to as a cleric. Uh, and that's really our practice with, uh, with Islam because we kind of project, uh, Western, uh, ideas about religion onto Islam. But he really wasn't a cleric. I would call him a, a jurisprudent, um, or, or really a, a legal authority. And I think we, we intensify our misunderstanding of Islam when we when we do things like call the religious leaders uh, of the Islamist movement uh, clerics instead of jurists, and when we refer to the mosque as a house of worship, when in fact you know you're dealing with a uh, a culture at least in fundamentalist Islam where there's no division between politics and spirituality, and the mosque is actually a, a political and tactical headquarters every bit as much as it's a, a house of worship. So I, I just think we need to understand their ideology better. 
And what what was he like? I assume you you, you were part of the prosecution uh, of, and this is for p- people who may not know, First World Trade Center bombing. He's it fair to call him the mastermind. I mean, he was. Yes, I I was the lead prosecutor, and he didn't know much English, but he used to call me Shake Andy. Um, and the the reason for that, he and his uh, lawyer Lynn Stewart, who I also got to know fairly well, and who is uh, who has since, of course, been. Uh, prosecuted herself for material support to terrorism for uh, ferreting his uh, his messages out of the prison. Wait, his, de- and, his, and defense, his defense team? I didn't know this. The, the, somebody on the team was prosecuted for taking his messages to terrorists? Yes, years later, Lynn Stewart, who was his lawyer at trial, was prosecuted uh, for material support to terrorism and convicted because she smuggled messages of his out of the jail. Uh, and it, this was long after it was after he was convicted and all his appeals had run. So she really wasn't performing the traditional role of counsel, but she was allowed to meet with him because she had been his lawyer and she would communicate messages, including one message where uh, he notified his uh, his terrorist organization in Egypt, Gamat al-Islamiyah, also known as the Islamic group, that he no longer considered viable a ceasefire that they had had with the Mubarak government. So, you know, some of the stuff that she put out was pretty uh, was pretty dangerous. Did um, she not? I mean, so was, was her claim that she was just, you know, that, that he was uh, giving her sealed messages, you know, to, to his aunt or something? You know what I mean? Or, or, or was she aware? She was totally aware. She had to sign documents before she was allowed to see him. Uh, you know, understanding that, uh, you know, she didn't have a, r- a right to do that and promising that she wouldn't. But it's not, you know, she was, Lynn was uh, one of these self-styled radical lawyers who thought that, uh, you know, essentially to, to draw an analogy that uh, if you rob a bank, but you rob it in broad daylight where everyone can see, what's what's the big problem? So, you know, Lynn didn't like secretly funnel the blind shakes messages she you know she'd get the message and then she'd have a press conference and that's how she put the the messages out uh, it was still a crime but it was uh the fact that it was more brazen um seemed to her i guess to wow. be a defense the jury wow. didn't see it okay so so you said that the blind shake used to call you just i'm, I'm sure people are i'm curious i'm assuming others are too used to call you shake andy yeah well a, a lot of our trial against him buck was uh, based on intercepted conversations and speeches and the like that he had given uh, in various contexts. He was a very prolific writer and speaker, but of course he spoke only Arabic. So to present those to the jury, uh, we had to translate them into English and then read them to the jury. And because there were 12 different defendants, what you try to do in a case like that is each, to the extent you can, the same lawyer reads the same person's part uh, because there's, you know, numerous conversations that you're going to go through. So just as it happened, uh, I tended to read uh, his speeches and, and parts. And as a result, uh, he used to sort of uh, semi-jokingly refer to me as Shake Andy uh, in a way that with that, that kind of um, expression that suggested to you that um, this might not go so well for me if we weren't in this nice american courtroom with all these nice u.s marshals providing security <laughs> ah i see 
It was that kind of shake Andy. All right. That kind yeah, of he, shake this, Andy. This, right. Yeah, this is a he's a bad he's a bad dude. I know people say don't speak ill of the dead. No, this this one we're yeah. gonna speak ill of. No, um, and I want to talk to you about immigration. Uh, do you mind staying through the break with us, and we'll get you on the other side? No, sure, sure. Happy okay, to great guys. We've got Andy McCarthy, uh, National Review, NationalReview.com for his latest pieces. He prosecuted the blind shakes. You want to read his piece on that? And we're gonna talk immigration on the flip side with Andy McCarthy in just a few. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. This is the Buck Sexton Show. All right, team, we've got Andy McCarthy with us still. He's a former federal prosecutor for the Southern District here in New York City and National Review contributing editor, best-selling author, too. Uh, Andy, you working on a book, by the way? When's the next one? Uh, still thinking about it, Buck, but uh, I'll pick your brain one of these days. Actually, be interesting <laughs> okay. to talk about it. Your, your, your fans, inquiring minds, want to know. Your fan base wants to know when the next <laughs> McCarthy opus is going to be out. But um, Trump's new call uh, or Trump's new guidance calls for vigorous immigration enforcement up on National Review. This is uh, I saw you on, on Twitter as well. And I, I had said this earlier in the day on radio. He's just this is not radical unless you think that enforcing the law is radical. That's exactly right. In fact, the the guidance, which is in a six page memo by uh, General Kelly, now Secretary Kelly of the of the Department of Homeland Security really could boil down to one paragraph, which is uh, henceforth the law of the United States is the law of the United States, uh, which it hasn't been for eight years. For eight years, we were really uh, in the immigration area under the decrees of President Obama, who issued them under the guise of uh, what he called prosecutorial discretion, but was really a contortion of that, and which had the operation of law that that really, at least as long as Obama was president, repealed Congress's laws and imposed Obama's. Are there ways that you can foresee that uh, some people within the bureaucracy, I know the term deep state has become more popular ever since those intel community leaks came out that were intended to undermine the Trump administration. Are are there going to be... Uh, do you think immigration courts, prosecutors, judges who find ways to try and get around Trump's very straightforward enforce the law decree? You, don't, you see what I'm saying? I mean, you know, the, the, what, the, what, the, what they did with the executive order on travel, uh, mm-hmm. can you foresee them doing similar things based on the uh, guidance that was issued yesterday via DHS? I think it'll be harder to do, uh, but it's not to say they won't you know, be some certain uh, impediments put up. Like I I noticed that there was reporting in New Jersey yesterday, just on, you know, local news here uh, about how immigration lawyers were advising illegal immigrants that, you know, while if federal agents had a warrant for your arrest, uh, they could execute that. But if they only had like an administrative warrant, uh, that was not a valid authority to come into your home and seize you. So, you know, I guess within the confines of law, there's a lot of things that you are allowed to do in your own defense as well. But that's fine as long as we're playing the game within 
the parameters of what uh, you know Congress's laws and the and the defenses that are available under those laws are, uh, that's fine. I you know I don't expect that uh, people who are lobbyists for uh, illegal immigrants are going to be cooperative with law enforcement efforts, but I do think those efforts are taking place within the confines of, of Congress's laws. And I, I think uh, Kelly is a pretty smart guy who will uh, enforce the law within sensible priorities. So uh, I think we're hearing a lot of uh, complaining now, as you would expect when a policy has just been announced, but I, I expect it'll, you know, after a little bit of growing pains, it'll probably work pretty smoothly. One more for you, Andy, before we're at our top of the hour break here. Tillerson is in Mexico, Secretary of State, speaking to the uh, Mexican president, Peña, uh, Peña Nieto, or perhaps he's meeting with his. Oh, I'm sorry. we got two minutes. OK, so we got some time for a, a, a real, uh, real answer here. We don't have to rush, rush through it. Uh, Mexico is uh, or rather Mexico is hosting this meeting with Secretary of State. I don't know if it's at the I assume now it's actually probably at the uh, minister of foreign affairs level in Mexico. Uh, but what are your expectations? What do you think that the conversation might go like between the Trump administration's foreign policy top diplomat and Mexico's? Well, as I understand it, Buck, he's going to meet with both his counterpart and the president and General both. Okay, Kelly, yeah, so there. That was uh, right by accident. And, and, yeah, and I, th- I think Kelly is going to be there as well. Uh, so I assume that what they're going to talk about is doing – uh, the kind of border security cooperation that you know we have done with Mexico and hopefully will continue to do with Mexico within the context of the these new guidelines and I imagine uh, what what they the message that they will convey is that while we're going to enforce our laws, the priorities of enforcement are pretty much the same as they were under Obama. In that, you know, what, what the administration put out yesterday was, you know, if you're a serious law offender, uh, we we intend to enforce the law against you. And the one big thing I think they have to discuss is that catch and release is no longer going to happen. So, you know, people, more people are likely to be, uh, you know, held and then uh, if released, released into Mexico or whatever other country they come from. And uh, All right. you know, how me- how Mexico will take that, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. We'll have to see. <laughs> Andy McCarthy, everybody, of National Review. Andy, you're the man. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Buck. All right, team, we'll be right back. The Buck Sexton Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network.